0: The Baltimore Ravens emerge victorious in week one against the New York Jets. We dive into a full game recap, talking about what went right, what went wrong, and more next year on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Oshryker, Ravens Wire. We're here on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for tuning in today, making Locked on Ravens your first listen of the day. We're free available on all platforms. That includes over on YouTube. And we're back here. Our first victory Monday of the 2022 season it comes in week one baltimore starting off the year one and oh pretty dominant win a 24-9 victory over the new york jets and look it it was pretty sloppy to start we'll talk about this but pretty sloppy to start overall but then a dominant second half where the jets really couldn't do anything on the offensive side of the ball defensive side of the ball special teams wise baltimore won there also so all three phases baltimore dominating in the second half of this game we'll talk about it here today we'll dive into the offense in the first segment dive into the defensive performance in the second segment then in the final segment just talk about where this team goes next a little bit about their week two gaming against miami and stuff of that nature so we have a ton to talk about today and again before we dive into our content, if you're here with us on YouTube, thank you so much for tuning in today and subscribing to this channel. If you have, thank you so much. If you haven't, we put out daily Ravens content five days per week, Monday through Friday. So if you want daily Ravens news, analysis, updates, we have you covered here Monday through Friday. Also, in audio form, thank you so much for following along. Same show, both audio and video form. Be sure to follow along there as well. And follow me on Twitter at CalSharker34 and the LockNRAVENS account at LockedONRAVENS. Let's now dive into our recap of this game, and this is a really exciting one because one of the things that I was really impressed with, and I kind of mentioned it, the fact that Baltimore started off so slow, the fact that they were able to kind of dig themselves out of the rut they were in and put on a really big performance in the second half of this game. The offense in the first, it started to get a little better towards the end of the first half, but it still wasn't great. The second half was a completely different story. But we saw a team that couldn't run the ball, and the run game wasn't great the entire game. We'll talk about that. But the the, the passing game, the, some of the play calls weren't great from Greg Roman. I thought Greg Roman improved over the course of the game. I think that the early early returns weren't very positive for Greg Roman. We saw a lot of these short passing concepts weren't really going anywhere. But then I think he got creative with stuff. And, look, we saw deep shots. We saw stuff that I think – people want to see in terms of opening up the playbook a little bit. Now I still think the Ravens can do a little more, but I think it was a good thing from what we saw early on and, and kind of what that vibe was on offense to what we ended up getting in the second half. So I thought that was very encouraging on the day. Lamar Jackson finished a solid day. I'd say overall 17 to 32, 13, three touchdowns, one interception. So nothing super spectacular, but did he make some spectacular plays? He had the one where he avoided the sack. He kind of like, Skip stepped out of the sack on a third down play and created a first down out of it. It was that was an incredible play. The fifty-five yard bomb touchdown to Rashad Bateman, which was incredible in its own right. Two touchdown passes to Devin Duvernay, who we'll talk about. He he played, I think, a, a very solid game and look did more than enough to help the Ravens win this one. The team had to. Kind of, again, weathered that early storm, but I think Jackson also got out of the, the mini rut he was in. There were a couple throws for him that were a little low, a little inaccurate, but he also had some beautiful ones. So th- this is a game where, look, a lot of the Ravens starters didn't play in the preseason. So it makes sense when you look at the trajectory of the game on all, all three phases. You look at the offense, look at the defense they had to knock some of the rust off. And I think they did that over the course of the first half. Some things weren't going the right way. There was a lot of energy on the Jets' side defensively early on. You know, they 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 went into this game pretty confident, it, it looked like, which, hey, good for them. That's how you should approach this game. But I think the the better team won in this circumstance. I think that Baltimore just capitalized on more opportunities. I think when you're looking at what the Jets were able to do on the offensive side of the ball in the first half, yeah, they, they were all right, but... We'll talk about that in the second segment. In terms of actual stats here, Baltimore ended up going 5-13 on third down. Total 274 total yards, so nothing too special there. 5.2 yards per play. Held the ball for 27 minutes and 30 seconds. The Jets actually held the ball for longer than Baltimore did, but... Baltimore wasn't really running the ball super effectively and not that Lamar Jackson had like 80 pass attempts or anything but Lamar Jackson had 30 pass attempts and the Ravens had 21 rushes so the Ravens prioritized in the pass game a little bit there which I think was the right decision because we we can kind of go into the ground game now nothing was working N- nothing well okay I'm not going to say nothing but barely anything was working for them on the ground especially early on where Look, in order to have a successful offense, you have to have your run game feed off your pass game, your pass game feed off your run game. Baltimore's run game was not doing anything. The Jets were stacking the box, and the Ravens were trying to establish their ground game, and they just could not do it because their pass game wasn't hitting either. So the Jets said, hey, you know what? If, if you're not hitting on your passes, we're just going to stack the box until you do something. The Ravens ended up doing something. They ended up going out and dominating the second half, and a lot of that had to do with some of the passes of Lamar Jackson threw. But on the ground as a whole, Baltimore averaged just three yards per carry. Kenyon Drake, 11 carries for 31 yards. He led the team in carries and yards, 2.8 yards per carry. Lamar Jackson, six for 17. That's also 2.8 yards per carry. Mike Davis had two for 11. That's 5.5 yards per carry. He had a long of 10, so that was like the most exciting thing we saw from their, their ground game. But he also fumbled on his long run, so that, that was something to keep in mind. And Justice Hill, two for four. So you know that they were definitely missing a fully healthy J.K. Dobbins, fully healthy Ronnie Stanley. You know, Jawan James goes down in the second quarter with a torn Achilles. Just a super, super tough break. I, I feel for Jawan James. Prayers out to him. It's just he he worked so hard to get back to to where he was and starting in week one for the Ravens in place of Ronnie Stanley, who was inactive for this game. J.K. Dobbins also inactive for this game and, and goes down. It didn't look good to start. You know, he kind of. Favored, he middle of the play kind of just gives out on him and he the replay it's, just, it, it's hard to watch and so for a player that again has worked so hard to get back to where he was to have that happen another torn Achilles. a little, a little John Harbaugh clarified a little different from last time but still it's it's just a, a, another blow depth watch the offensive line Pesha McCary comes in so that's gonna until Ronnie Stanley's able to come back that's gonna be the guy for them but that that's Situation on the offensive line for now, and then yeah, receiving wise, I mentioned Bateman and Duvernay. Bateman had two catches for 59 yards and a score of a 55 yard beautiful touchdown. I mean, really, the, the Bateman to Jackson or Jackson to Bateman connection is going to be really fun to watch this year. It's almost like the Jackson to Andrews connection, which was going strong in this game, but the ability for those two, Jackson and Bateman, again on the same page with each other. Bateman Bateman had an interesting game. Like he did the first half for Bateman was pretty rough. He had a couple of plays where he had a ball that he probably should have hung on to. He got hit, but you know, number one wide receivers, you look at the names around the league, they hold on to balls like that. So you're expecting Bateman to kind of make that catch, hold on to the play. Also, there was a play, a deep shot from Lamar Jackson, where look, I don't know honestly, I I doubt that Rashad Bateman would have gotten to the football if he had kept running, but. It looked like he had a shot at it, like probably not a very good one because it was a, it was a pretty off-target pass from Lamar Jackson, but it, it reminded me a little bit of the Sammy Watkins play. Now, not not totally right. I'm not blaming Bateman for anything right now, but I don't know. It just felt like he he could have ran under the ball a little bit more, but he he gave up a little early. But I'm not again it's kind of lost now it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things because baltimore didn't win the game and i think that there's probably not a great chance he would have caught the ball anyway but yeah just something i observed nothing nothing too crazy but then the connection for jackson and bateman to get there if he had had the game that he did without that connection oh it would have been would have been rough his final stat line would have been one reception for four yards and people would have been like Where's Rashad Bateman? What's Rashad Bateman doing? And I said that. I said one of the key matchups was going to be Sauce Gardner versus Rashad Bateman. Bateman ends up, you know, breaking free for the long touchdown. So, yeah, a tale of two halves for Rashad Bateman, definitely, but very glad to see him get on the board with his first touchdown of the year. Devin Duvernay, four for 54 and two scores. He had a phenomenal catch in the back of the end zone, corner ish of the end zone, where Jackson just hit him in the right spot. And Duvernay goes up there and he hauls that thing in. It was, it was, it was awesome. Then another score later in the game, DuVernay had two touchdowns his entire two years, his first two years in the league, two touchdowns. First game of his third year, two touchdowns. Already matched that total. So the Ravens are looking for people to step up. Devin DuVernay certainly stepped up. On Sunday against the Jets, Mark Andrews led the team in receptions with five, had 52 yards, no scores for him. Demarcus Robinson, two for 19, Then he had Kenny and Drake, one for 15, Patrick Ricard, one for seven, and Justice Hill, two for seven. Isaiah Likely was targeted four times, did not catch a ball, and Tyler Wallace targeted one time, did not catch a ball. So yeah, I mean, look, the offense started slow, definitely was sloppy. They had to find their offensive identity. They were struggling in so many areas. It, you know the run game was not working. The pass game was not working. The Jets defense was flying around the field. It was really, really rough for the first. I'd say probably twenty-eight-ish, twenty-seven-ish minutes, something in that in that line. Right at the end of the first half, stuff started to, I think, break free for them a little bit. Then the second half, is a, it's a different story overall. But just knocking the rust off was really big for them. I think that was important. We'll talk about that a bit in the second segment with the defense. So we'll head into our first break. Coming up, we're going to be diving into the defensive unit, talking about their two halves and and what ended up happening for them. So be sure to stay tuned. We still have a ton to talk about here on the show. But first, I do want to tell you a bit about Brightco and We've all seen the engagement fails online. You don't want to be that guy, and you certainly don't want it to be splattered all over the internet. The guys at Brightco Jewelry Insurance will make sure you get a replacement for the full value of that no matter if it's lost or you just can't figure out what happened to it. And insurance can be a pain sometimes, but the guys at Brightco turn the whole experience around. That's probably the easiest thing you can do for yourself this week. There are no excuses. For 5 bucks a month, you get totally comprehensive coverage, and it won't take you more than two minutes on your cell phone. Check it out, bright.co forward slash locked on. We're back here with our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostreicher, your host, still here with you again. Thank you so much for making Locked On Ravens your first listen of the day here and tuning in. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, follow us along in audio form as well. But let's talk about the defense. And the offense, we we kind of dove into them a little bit, how, look, really, really struggled to find their offensive identity early on but ended up kind of having a really good second half. Well, I think the defense – there were some areas they struggled early on, definitely, but I don't think when you're talking about absolute just terribleness, for lack of a better word, overall, like the Baltimore offense was pretty bad for a, a decent amount of time in the first half. The Baltimore defense was, I think, okay in the first half. I mean, look, the whole game, they gave up just nine points overall. They gave up three through the first three quarters. The, the Jets only touchdown of the game and came with like a minute left in the fourth quarter. So the defense played very well overall. But there were some missed tackles, which I think they did clean up in the second half. But, you know, you you want to leave those in 2021. There were a couple by Kyle Hamilton, you know, some here and there. But they, they cleaned up on it, which, again, you see the growth from the first part of the game to second part of the game. That's really what I wanted to see. And, the, and that's what we got. So I was very pleased with that. Baltimore's third down defense was one of the bright spots for me. Held the Jets to 0-6 in the first half on third down, which was was great the the jets were getting into situations where they could have converted could have kept moving the chains could have pushed the ball down the field baltimore would not let them even though there were some spectacular i mean garrett wilson the joe flacco garrett wilson had that one where joe flacco like escaped and ran around and threw it to garrett wilson wilson dodged like three people or something got got like one yard away from the first down so it was plays like those where you're thinking oh this is gonna go for a first down because why not And then, you know, they're like a yard short or two yards short. So the Ravens end up finishing the game third down defense-wise. They hold the Jets to 2 of 14 on third down. The Jets did complete three of four fourth downs, but that was, I guess, like that was later in the game, like late in the fourth quarter when the Jets were just trying to score (laughs) down 24 to three so that was a different story but the jets ended up getting 378 total yards this was more game script than anything else though i mean joe flacco threw the ball 59 times so that, that's a lot of passes I'm, I'm not gonna lie joe burrow threw it 55 times i believe in their week one loss to pittsburgh but flacco finishing 37 to 59 through the seven yards he had one touchdown one interception the ravens held the jets to 17 carries. They never did-, did average 4.9 yards on the ground, but you know that was a-, a long of 22 by Michael Carter. You had a long of 14 by Brees Hall. So take out that 36, and you know it, it looks a lot better for Baltimore overall. Carter had 10 for 60. Brees Hall had six for 23. He had a fumble, and then Joe Flacco had one for zero overall. But I-, I was pleased with the defense. There there were a lot of contributors too. I mean Marcus Williams, talk about a Baltimore debut. Marcus Williams, first of all worth the money 100% and, and, and not like it was ever a question right like I haven't been sitting here saying it was a bad deal for Baltimore I thought that they did the right thing by signing him and spending a lot of money on him he is a player that deserved that contract and look he showed it 100% in this game led the team in tackles with 12 he also had a, his first interception you know Baltimore's been looking for kind of someone to roam the back half and kind of lurk around and, and take advantage of of bad throws. And Marcus Williams absolutely did that against Joe Flacco. Gets his first interception in a Baltimore uniform. Other guys I was super impressed with. Patrick Queen, unbelievable day for him. Big, big credit to Patrick Queen. I, this was a big year for him. Right? It's a big year to prove himself after a couple up and down years in the league where, look, the the flashes that he has shown have been incredible and the lows that we have seen have not been good. We saw the flashes. We we saw what he can be. And, look, Patrick Queen has said that he had the best year of his career, thought, felt really comfortable and confident with Mike McDonald on the team, and him around the team as the inside linebackers coach. McDonald goes to Michigan, you know, has the rough start to the year, comes on strong to end the season. McDonald comes back as a defensive coordinator. And Patrick Queen is just flying all over the field. So I was very impressed with Patrick Queen overall. Looked confident out there. Finished with eight tackles. Chuck Clark was second on the team, by the way, with nine. The Ravens also get to Joe Flacco three times overall. Yeah, had Patrick Queen with half a sack and Justin Matabike with half a sack. And I want to shout out him too. Justin Matabike had a phenomenal performance. He was all over the field crushing guys and getting interior pressure and running down guys. He was all over the place. And this is the breakout that I expected from him last year. Well, obviously, it's been one game. You can't call it a breakout till it's consistent performances, right? But he showed what I think a lot of people have been waiting on from him. And if he if he's able to continue that trend and just continue to play the way he did in week one, it's going to help Clay's Campbell out. It's going to help Michael Pierce out. It's going to help Brent Urban out because they can rotate in these quality young defensive linemen to save some of the snaps of Claus Campbell and Michael Pierce and Brent Urban, who look, you want to save those guys for November, December, January, not like never play them until then. Like you want to have those guys on the field, but Claes Campbell played so many snaps last year. You want to have everybody fresh and the Ravens love their rotations. We have seen it with the cornerback room, with the running back room, tight ends, right? We've seen it all over the place with them. It's not surprising. They have so much depth on the defensive line. It is still one of my favorite positional groups. And part of that is because of the way that Michael Pierce performed on Sunday. Like what, what a, what a performance for him too. He was all over the place, generating some interior pressure forcing the run game as well. This is, this is why the Ravens signed him and. Part of the reason that the Ravens went with Pierce over Brandon Williams was the fact that Williams was a pure two-down player at, at that point in his career, never really been someone to generate interior pressure, never was somebody to get to the quarterback. Great, unbelievable run stuffer. But maybe you lose like a little bit of the run stuffing in Pierce, who was still a great run stuffer in his own right, but you get a lot of interior pass rush from the from the nose tackle position. And we saw that overall, Michael Pierce just all again. He showed why the Ravens brought him in. I thought it was a good move when it happened. And, and he showed that overall. Marlon Humphrey had seven tackles. Malik Harrison had five. Clay's Campbell. Campbell had a sack. Justin Houston also had a sack. Justin Houston looked like he was 25 out there. He was he was shooting he, like he was shot out of a cannon. He he looked spry out there. And I know there, there are a lot of questions about you know what are the Ravens going to do outside linebacker-wise? With Adafé, Oh wait, Justin Houston being the only two healthy outside linebackers, I still think they need to do something. We'll talk about that in the final segment. But look, if Justin Houston plays like that, <laughs> it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good year for the Ravens because they can use him in a lot of different ways. But again, you don't want to overutilize him. But he he had a sack I think called back as well, or no, it was a. It, incompletion but he leveled joe flacco the ravens had a couple of those where like they were almost a joe flacco but then it was an incompletion or there was a penalty that negated a sack and justin metabica could have had a sack but uh, yeah another one he had half a sack he could have had one and a half but there was something i think and project washington also he, he leveled joe flacco and then a play got there was there was a lot there were little ticky tack plays in the secondary like defensive holding illegal contact stuff like that that negated some really good plays but you know it's fine because the Ravens won the game it's stuff you can clean up overall other than that though the, the one area I think again Kyle Hamilton did miss some tackles I think that's something that he'll have to clean up over the course of of his rookie year he he wasn't necessarily a prolific tackler at Notre Dame but. He's someone who I think can learn. He has super high upside and did show some flashes in this one. Kyle Fuller suffered a what looked like a really, really bad injury. Apparently, CBS was told not to show it because the replay was so brutal. John Harbaugh expressed some hope about the injury. We'll, we'll see. There, there's been nothing at the time of this recording. But if, if the Ravens do lose Kyle Fuller, and we'll get into this in the final segment too. The Ravens could look to the outside or yeah, to the outside to bring in somebody else. But overall, yes, very impressed with the Baltimore defense. Didn't let the Jets get much of anything going for the entire game. And we saw a suffocating performance through three quarters. Uh, And Honestly, through all four. You know, the touchdown, if a penalty here, a penalty there didn't happen, the Jets probably aren't getting into that end zone. So I thought Baltimore's defense was lights out in this game for the most part. And I was impressed overall. But we'll head into our final break. Still to come, we'll be diving into what's next for this team. So be sure to stay tuned. We still have a ton to talk about here on the show. But first, I do want to tell you a bit about prize picks and fantasy has been super fun for me for a really long time i'd say i had a pretty good successful first week of fantasy for the 2022 season which i'm pretty happy about but for prize picks it's super easy to use and you can have a ton of different entries. You pick two to five players, and if they will go score more or less in their price for rejection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Price picks offers rejection on any sport that you watch. That includes the NFL, the NBA, the MLB. You have NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, and more Endures can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. You can have safe and fast withdrawals. They're currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the price picks app or go to PricePix.com to sign up to play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, price picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, price picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. We're back here with our final segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Oshaker, your host, still here with you. Thank you so much for tuning in today, making Locked On Ravens your first listen of the day. But, yeah, in terms of what's next for the Ravens and just where they go, well, they'll go home. They're going home to M&T May Stadium, playing the Miami Dolphins in Week 2. Miami ended up taking care of business in their Week 1 game against the New England Patriots. They are 1-0. Baltimore is 1-0. But in the AFC North right now, you have three teams at 1-0 in the Baltimore Ravens, you got Cleveland, and then you got the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those three teams one and zero, and the Browns and the Steelers getting wins on last-second field goals. The Browns against Carolina, and the Steelers against Cincinnati. Cincinnati's the only team in the AFC North now with an O and one record, so that there's something to keep an eye on there. Joe Burrow had five turnovers in in the games, and for the Browns. They got the job done, you know, against Baker Mayfield, their old quarterback over there. But this is a very talented AFC overall. Again, very talented AFC North. You can never count out the Pittsburgh Steelers. But a couple of injuries to keep in mind, we talked about the Ravens with Juan James and, and Kyle Fuller. T.J. Watt, at the time of this recording, nothing has been confirmed yet, but it's believed that he tore his pec, the same injury that Marlon Humphrey had back when he tore it against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we'll see what that timeline is. It would cost him probably most, if not all, of the season. So if that's the case and how severe it is we'll we'll find out. But yeah, I think for now what you look at with the Baltimore side of things and just where they go now. I think establishing the ground game is super important for them. This is a situation where for the people who watched the team last year and kind of understand that oh look, this was the this was a team that finished top 10 in a lot of rushing categories, but the rushing offense was not that or it, it was not great compared to what People had gotten used to, and look right. There's no J.K. Dobbins. There's no Gus Edwards. Ronnie Stanley's still working his way back. There's stuff that's understandable there, but as I've said, you got to feed both your run game and your pass game off of each other. I was super. Look, the Ravens ran a successful screen for the first time, and I don't know. I don't know how long it's been. So it, it's fun to see that aspect of things because it's something I've been saying where it felt like the Ravens have wanted to utilize the running backs out of the backfield a lot more. This year and it felt like it last year before the Dobbins and Edwards injuries. But you see that screen to Kenyon Drake and he takes it. He takes it a decent amount of yards, and you're thinking, oh, this could this could be something. So hopefully we'll see the returns of JK Dobbins, Marcus Peters, Ronnie Stanley in week two. If I had to guess, I, I'd probably say that Peters and Dobbins return and Stanley might wait until week three. I'm not the Ravens, I'm sure, want to give him just a super long runway of practice time, like all their guys, obviously. Another surprise in this game against the Jets was the Ravens decided to activate Josh Oliver over Nick Boyle. Wasn't any indication that Boyle was injured or anything, you know, had a rest day was what it was classified as on Friday. So this might've just been a field condition situation where he, he wasn't able to, the Ravens just wanted to play it a little cautious, but hopefully Boyle is able to come back and play in this game against Miami. I think he's super important to the run game in general, but you want to be able to use the play action, right? If the run game isn't working, the play action threat doesn't really do what it's supposed to do. Plus, if you, if you want to, I think, have successful play action, you get into second and short situations using the run game. If you pick up six, seven yards, something I've talked about before on the show, I've talked about it multiple times. If you can do that, then teams begin to stack the box. You can have the play action happen. They will bite on that. You can use guys like Marquise, Andrews, Isaiah Likely, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. And you can punish the defense for stacking the box. Baltimore wasn't punishing the Jets early on for stacking the box because the pass game was not working and the run game was not working. Or, you know, then later in the game and then the pass game ended up working and it was fine. But we saw if the run game wasn't working for Baltimore, a lot wasn't working for them. And that's not to say they can't throw the football because they literally showed they could do it. But that's something I'd, I'd like to see the ground game definitely getting improved upon. I think for the defense, it's just continuing to keep the momentum. I mean, this is a very talented group. The Ravens have invested heavily in their defense and the secondary. Of course, that's an area where they've they've historically invested quite a bit of money, quite a bit of draft capital as well. But I think for the cornerback situation, if you really do have Kyle Fuller down for a significant amount of time, maybe even the season, depending on how serious the injury is. Maybe Baltimore does look to the outside to bring in somebody just to have. They do have some guys on the practice squad they could they could call up. Darrell Worley one of those guys. Maybe Kevon Seymour, depending on where he is. But uh, my, one of my bull predictions with the, was at the trade deadline, Baltimore go out and acquire a star cornerback. And part of that is because where are you comfortable with are the Ravens putting Marcus Peters in? What situations early on? If Kyle Fuller goes down and Marcus Peters is kind of limited coming back, that they, your, your second corner is limited. Your third corner is down for the year or significant amount of time, depending on the injury, whatever it is. So, what are you going to do? Is it going to be Pepe Williams, Jalen Moore, Davis, Brandon Stevens? Had a great pass breakup, by the way. I forgot to mention this in the second segment. Brandon Stevens played a really good game. Uh, I was very impressed with him overall. But you, you can use some of those guys, but at the same time, you've already lost a corner. Your other corner is working his way back. So, what if somebody else goes down? What if two guys go down? We've seen it historically. It's happened. It has happened. Majority of the seasons, unfortunately, which is Baltimore starts the year with 50 healthy cornerbacks. They end the year with two. So we we heard them sniffing around Xavier Howard at the trade deadline last year. Maybe something like that happens again. Eric Acosta not afraid to improve this team. Not afraid to explore any avenue and make a move that some people maybe aren't expecting. So we'll, we'll see that overall. So another funny note: the, Josh Ross made his impact felt on the first play of this game on special teams. He. He runs down the field and gets the special team's tackle, which is funny just continuing that momentum into the regular season. But, yeah, look, I think Baltimore's in a good spot. The the first half of the game definitely caused some some questions to arise, especially about the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, it, it almost is like the preseason tune-up for these guys because, the, you know, Lamar Jackson didn't play. Mark Andrews didn't play. Rashad Bateman didn't play. A lot of these starters did not play in the preseason. So they they need to get that rust off, I think, this stretch, the the AFC East stretch, as I call it, you have the Jets, which has been a win. You then have Miami, New England, Buffalo. If you come out of that stretch three and one, you're looking great. I think that's great shape to be in. Obviously, four and zero is what you want, but if you go out three and one, I think that's a great situation. Two and two, I think that's a fine. I think you're fine if you cut if you go two and two. I think three and one's realistic. I do. Buffalo looks like Buffalo looks like a challenge. I'm not gonna lie but I think Baltimore can beat Miami. I think they can beat New England. I think I think they can beat Buffalo too. I'm not saying they can't do that, but if they can go out of that stretch three and one, if you're talking about what's next, I think they put themselves in a good spot overall because their next three teams are, are talented opponents, right? Not that the Jets aren't talented. They have very talented guys, but you think of Miami, think of New England, think of Buffalo. Those are teams that are better than the Jets, right? So I'm pretty sure that the Ravens would be would be happy with a 3 and 1 record in those first four games. They're, they're kind of setting themselves up for a pretty decent back half of the season there if they do that. So we'll see what they end up doing. But in week 1, Baltimore does get the 24 to 9 victory over the New York Jets starting their season off strong with a dominant win. And, and the best part of it, I'll leave it with this. The best part I think is they were able to overcome that slow start. They didn't let it get them down, didn't let it get in their heads. Even though the offense wasn't hitting on it on really any cylinders overall, the defense had a couple struggles here and there. If you're talking about missed tackles or whatnot, I think that the fact that they were able to overcome that slow start and, and say to themselves, This is not who we are, we can play better football than this. And they did, they went out there and they dominated the second half. I think that shows their resiliency, something we've seen from John Harbaugh led teams for years now. Well, that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in here today. When we get back here tomorrow, we'll be diving into more Ravens content, so be sure to stay tuned for that, and I'll see you right back here tomorrow.